Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast, brought to you by Simply Physio, aimed at helping you live an enjoyable, fit, and healthy life in and around our community of Knoxville, Tennessee. And now, here is your host, Dr. John Mark Chesney. Hey guys, uh, for today's episode of Stay Healthy Knoxville, I have uh, the pleasure of having Austin Gilbert uh, join us. I met Austin a little, a little over two years ago. Uh, today, I have uh, the pleasure of interviewing Austin. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, working out, getting fit, and ultimately how he has become an expert in the field of personal training and fitness. Um, Austin, um, he has his NASM certified uh, uh, personal training uh, for eight years. Uh, he has sub-specializations in uh, NASM corrective exercise, uh, also senior fitness uh, specialist and uh, golf uh, fitness specialist. Uh, he's been in the Knoxville area with Fitness Together, uh, primarily the Farragut location, for uh, almost three years, and uh, now uh, have the pleasure of um, hearing all about his story and how he uh, became an expert in the field. So welcome to the show, Austin. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on and giving me a chance to tell my story. We always like to start by hearing kind of the the story behind the story of, um, you know, again, I understand it that you've been in the personal training field, but how you got to that point, like what what was it that um, transpired to get into that field? And, and just take us back a bit on that journey so we can get to know some of your life experiences through that. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is quite the journey, if I do say so myself. Um, need to go back to childhood, really, to lay the context of it. You know, I kind of grew up in a sedentary household. It was just my brother and I with my parents. And you know, we would get out and play on the weekends and be active, but Monday through Friday, it's school, homework, video games. So uh, just a very sedentary upbringing. There wasn't a lot of emphasis on exercise um, or nutrition. So I'm also a pastor's son, and with being in a pastor's family comes a lot of nutritional comforts. So whether that be people wanting to take us out to eat constantly, bringing baked goods over to the house, you're just surrounded by food comforts that are not necessarily good for you. So, um, you know, just just never had a good foundation in fitness or nutrition. So, you know, fast forwarding to my early 20s, I was in college pursuing a broadcast journalism degree. I was working uh, basically full-time at a local fast food restaurant. So, again, surrounded by treats that were not necessarily good to be around constantly, you know, just still not being very active. So I will never forget this turning point. I went to the doctor for a sinus infection when I was about 21 years old and got on the scale and I was just floored by the number I saw. Um, You know, it had been a couple of years since I've been weighed, been on a scale, and that number really got to me. So it was one of those kick you in the tail kind of moments, like I've got to do something, something's got to change here. So got a gym membership, a three-year contract, and (laughs) three years go by and I had made very minimal progress, right? Like I had seen some body fat drop off, added a little muscle, gotten a little stronger, but after three years, you'd expect to see a little bit more than that and I was not seeing it. So, um, you know, in addition to that, I had decided to stop pursuing my journalism degree. That kind of just was not feeling as exciting to me as it did when I started. No plan for life, minimal progress in the gym, and then met a very close friend of mine via church, and like, I know you're into lifting weights. Like, what do I do? I have no idea 
you know, where to even find a starting point. So he suggested that I come to the gym with him and he'd kind of show me the ropes. So worked out with him for about three months and I was seeing a tremendous amount of progress in that just having someone walking me through like, this is how we hit these muscles. We could do this to change it up and make it a little tougher. I'd never worked one-on-one in a coaching um, aspect like that before. So it really shocked me like, man, this is, this has made a huge difference. Just working closely with someone. A couple months of working out with him, I was watching television and saw a commercial for National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is the company I'm certified through. And it just kind of hit me in the face. Like, man, that's, that's it. That's what I need to do with my life. It I've was seen a TV commercial you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew the value of what it was having someone there showing you the ropes, walking you through how to do things, motivating you. And it was the strongest, most intense feeling I've ever felt in my life of that is where you go next. So were you in the school at the time or out of school? I had just left probably about 10 months prior to this. Okay. So, so um, figuring figuring out your way a bit. Very much so. Yeah, I just had no direction. And then this was like a lightning bolt shock through the whole body of this is it. Like, this is your next step. So literally that next day, I got on NASM's website and ordered the study at home starter kit for the personal training exam. So was continuing to work more so full-time than anything while trying to balance studying that. Finally got certified in December of 2014 and got my first crack at a personal training gig in a big box gym. Um, So I spent about four years with them and really, really hammered down the business of fitness, right? Like how you have to market yourself, how you have to sell yourself to a certain extent. I mean, this is an investment for people. They've got to learn, you know, or you've got to demonstrate to them why that buy-in is so important. So I really hammered down the business aspect of fitness, but I kind of felt like there was no push to get better as a trainer. You know, my schedule was full enough. I was paying the bills and then some. So I personally never felt a push to better myself as a trainer. It was not pushed upon me by the company I was with. And, um, Couple that with a couple of personal issues I was going through in my life at the time, I just hit a point where I felt like I'd kind of lost my passion for fitness. And it's like, that's not how I thought this was going to end, but this is not what I love doing anymore. So after four years, walked away from there, took some time to get my thoughts together, really think about what do I want to do with my life moving forward. So 10 months go by and what do you know? I'm feeling that pull to go back towards the fitness industry again. Just this unexplainable pull that I have no logical reasoning behind. Just I feel like I need to be there. So my now wife and I had moved to the Knoxville area around this time and started putting out some applications, seeing what the the workforce was like out in the Knoxville area. And the very first company I ran across was Fitness Together. I'm like, I've never heard of this place before. I don't know anything about them. They're hiring trainers, so let's give it a shot. So I sent in my application and almost immediately got a call back from Andrew Henderson, wonderful, wonderful guy that I have had the pleasure of working for for the past three years now. And I'm not kidding when I say I was in that building for a whopping two minutes where I immediately knew this was the right place for me. Just the clients were so happy. The The work environment was so infectious. Like this felt like what I had missed out on in my previous four years. So 
like, man, this is this is an absolute yes. If you will have me, if you will give me a chance, then this is the place I want to continue to rebuild my career from. So I think that's um great perspective, even just thinking about kind of development and like because you were you were in the industry, right? But it was completely different kind of feel for you, you know, as an individual. But I'm sure that there's an outward expression of that, how that translates into like what you're able to give to your clients when you're at a level of of um, of joy and satisfaction and and that piece, you know, there as well. Yeah, even thinking about kind of those those two experiences because you were at, you said a big box. Is that kind of like, kind of like I'm imagining like a I don't know a Planet Fitness where you know there's just a bunch of people around and you have just clients that you're helping with. What do you think was the big difference between the two that really made a difference for you personally? Well, I would say the biggest thing was the standards we were held to, mm-hmm. and th- that can be tough, right? Like you're, you're you're talking a very broad array of skills that we have to bring to the table as trainers. So my experience there was more so on the business side. And I think because I was not getting pushed to get better in the room with clients, I was lacking in some areas there. Whereas I come to fitness together and the standard is so, so high that you're constantly just trying to get better. Like that wakes each, each and every one of us on that team up every day of like, I get a chance to get better and prove my worth to the world. And that was the biggest difference for me, for me was just the the standards and kind of where they put that emphasis on. Sure, sure. And I um, personally had a kind of a experience where Andrew, um, the owner of uh, the Fitness Together you mentioned, invited me to come be a part of your guys' group where all the, the clinics got together and had some group training, right? So I was able to kind of be a fly on the wall and, and witness that, and I participated in a few of the activities that Andrew brought, um, brought me in for. But ultimately, it was really cool to see like that aspect of, you know, the company of the fitness together and see you guys as trainers collaborating and working together, pushing yourself. And, um, and yeah, I think that's a huge piece that, you know, for somebody like yourself who is, you know, motivated and driven, like when you're in that environment, then it just brings life. Like it really does bring life was what I'm hearing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of a competitor at heart. So when I have theoretically no competition pushing me I'm not going to give my best but when I feel like I'm surrounded by the best I can't look like I'm slacking that gets me excited and motivated to do my best yeah, yeah. so you said you've been in um, the Knoxville area where did where did you move from uh, Chattanooga okay that, that was kind of where my wife and I grew up um, I had ended up moving back there after multiple stops via my dad's career choice we went to multiple different churches. <laughs> throughout my um, my youth. So ended up back in Chattanooga before I ended up coming to the Knoxville area. Okay. Okay. So still East Tennessee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Born and bred, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I had about um, and, uh, 10 plus 10 or so years in Chattanooga. Okay. So yeah, I went to PT school there and then worked another 10 years. So I guess it would have been about 13 years in Chattanooga. So <laughs> so nice to have that connection. I grew up here in Knoxville, so a little bit opposite. You grew up in Chattanooga now. Yeah. <laughs> well, nice. Well, so now you've been at Fitness Together. So tell us a little bit about your role there with, because um, you're primarily really just at the Fairgate location. Is that right? Yes. Um, when I first started with Fitness Together, I kind of made it and availability to all four of our locations. Like, hey, I'm trying to build my schedule up. If you need help, I'm there. Um, 
So through a couple of staffing changes at Farragut, I just kept feeling like this is the one, this is home, right? Like I started at this one and I would really like to buckle down to just one and uh, see what we can build here. So I've been primarily at that one for, it's been about 16, 17 months now. Okay. Are there um, certain types of um, individuals, clients, or things that you really enjoy working with or that you, I know, you know, reading off um, some of your extra certifications, trainings, you know, in, in different areas, you know, the corrective exercises, the senior fitness, the golf fitness, like, are there pieces of, of that or uh, style, if you will, that you um, kind of uh, utilize with your clients? Absolutely. I, um, the corrective exercise has been my moneymaker, as I like to refer to it. That just somehow, I honestly could not tell you how became what drew me to personal training is, you know, we're seeing people in their, their 40s, their 50s, their 60s. They may have been moderately active or not very active, and there's a very good chance that they've got some aches and pains. So that really drew me in early on and continued to grow through my own experience with some pain through working with some other clients that have some pain and just, you know, what can we do to build a sustainable plan to work around those issues? You know, there's a good chance they're not going to completely go away, but that doesn't take away from the fact that there's still um, plenty of activities out there we can do. We can still live a good active lifestyle. You just got to be a little more mindful. You know, it's like taking certain medication you're going to do it if it makes you feel better so we try to look at it that way of hey this is this is going to be a little bit tedious but it will set us up for further success down the road yeah how was um you mentioned that when you started off um you had that moment on the scale uh, at the doctor's office and like man i got to do something right so you went at it um at the gym uh, i forgot for how long you said for a while a few years about 3 years 3 years yeah, yeah 3 years and really didn't have much cuz you didn't see the benefit in it despite you putting a lot of time it sounds like into that how's that shaped kind of your development as a, a trainer and maybe helping clients avoid those obstacles um, or the inefficient time of, of kind of give thrown in the towel, so to speak. Right. In that regards, what kind of, what's the difference there? Yeah. Um, I, I would personally like to say that that has lended more empathy to me um, than your average trainer, not to say we're all jerks that love torturing people, <laughs> but um, you know, I understand that feeling of just not knowing what you need to do. You want to change, but you have no idea where to start. So educating people on how to ultimately take this and run with it themselves is my number one goal with everyone is, you know, whether you're training with me for six months or six years, the last time you walk out that door, we both know that you're, you're good. You know what you need to do. And the other side of that is I, I know people don't love this, right? Like it's, it's not fun to go beat your muscles down and sweat and all that. And I get that not everyone loves that. So if there is anything I can do to make that session a fun part of their day, I'm going to go out of my way to do that because yep. I, I get that on a very real level that that 45 minutes to an hour of sweat and pain are not everyone's favorite part of the day. Sure. <laughs> it's Yeah, working out is kind of one of those things that um, at least speaking – personally and i think uh, many people would also agree it's 
it's maybe yeah like not, not the thing that you wake up and you're like man I can't wait to get to the gym but whenever you do like you know you get a workout in you never regret it <laughs> you know it's like man I'm glad I I'm glad I did it but it's but man it's always still a bit of a struggle right when, for sure and you're like well I can you know sleep an extra 45 minutes you know the bed's feeling pretty good <laughs> or I can peel myself out and um and you know do something that's good for me but when I'm in this semi state of consciousness um, doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> Absolutely. There are going to be plenty of days that are harder than others, but I can always guarantee you the workout you do not want to do will end up feeling the best out of any of them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where I see even some of it with uh, personal training is that the the commitment and the show up, like the chances that somebody shows up when they're on their own versus when they're not is dramatically improved when they have somebody who's doing as much as they can to make it as easy as possible. You know, granted, you can't, you can't lift the weights for them, <laughs> right? <laughs> but they have a schedule and, you know, they have somebody showing them the way and, you know, whether it be that encouragement or that, um, I don't know how, how you encourage if you're like on top and yelling at them or uh, if it's just kind and nice or maybe a mixture in between of what that person needs. But I imagine that makes a, a huge difference in somebody actually seeing results. Oh, it's huge. Um, I think we all got a, a very close glimpse at that over the past two years during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, everyone decided, let's go buy all the exercise equipment in town, and then they've done nothing <laughs> with it. That is the the name of our game is accountability, whether that be, um, you know, just getting through the door, like you've got an appointment you've already paid for, you're going to be way more likely to show up to a training session as opposed to, yeah, I'll go to the gym at six o'clock or what have you. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, the minute you're in session with us, we're expecting you to push yourself for us. We're expecting you to hit a certain number of repetitions that we're going for, a certain amount of weight we're looking to push. Um, you know, we hold people accountable nutritionally. What are you doing outside of here that's either helping or hurting what we're doing? So it's just really an all-encompassing accountability that you're flat out not going to get unless you hire a professional to work with you. Sure. Awesome. Well, um, Austin, thanks uh, for sharing. We're going to take a break here. We're from our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're going to be, uh, be talking about some myths. Yeah, just understand more about personal training, fitness, and answer probably some really common questions that, um, that Austin gets uh, to answer them for you and clarify some of those things. So come back. Stay Healthy Knoxville is sponsored by Simply Physio, a physio clinic that equips and empowers you to live your life to the fullest so that you can enjoy the things you love to do and be the person you are made to be. Simply Physio specializes in helping people get back to a healthy and active lifestyle, living free from pain and medication and avoiding unnecessary surgery. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to receive a special gift from Simply Physio and enjoy listening to the rest of the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Austin Gilbert. We've been talking about his experience in personal training and fitness. And uh, so we're coming back here and I thought it'd be interesting just kind of reflecting on the different options that people have when they don't want to go at it alone, right? As far as um, getting fit and and getting onto whether it be some sort of program, just thinking about the all the different hybrid options. You know, you got kind of something like the the Peloton, where you can have some sort of equipment, live classes, programs. You can maybe purchase, you know, virtually personal trainer. There's all different levels of kind of personal training, whether it be kind of the big box kind of personal trainer versus something like Fitness Together. And I'd imagine that oftentimes 
when there's so many different options, it can be a barrier for somebody who's wants to make the right decision for making a decision at all of getting started. Like, I mean, I just don't know, like the fear of doing something that's, you know, not right for them or, or getting into the wrong type of, you know, program. I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit for, you know, some of our listeners who maybe are recognizing the need and the benefit of some sort of help, but they're not quite sure what that actually means and how to go about finding that. Yeah, sure. That can be a tough thing to answer when you're first really starting to get interested in getting in better shape because there's so many options out there. It really comes down to what level are you at right now? Because that's going to be important in making that decision and what's available to you, right? So typically I'm going to recommend that anyone who has never exercised before, who's exercised minimally before, seek a trainer because you need to learn the ropes. You need to kind of learn the basic functions of the muscles, of the joints, what feels right, what does not feel right. And then from there, we're looking into more independent options. We've got plenty of clients with Pelotons they use when they're not training with us because that's a great, fun way for them to get their workout in. We've got other clients that do go to the bigger gyms on the days they're not seeing us. So it really does become contingent on what level are you at and how much help are we talking about? Because I'm certainly not going to recommend 80-year-old Mrs. Jones, who has had all the joint replacements in the world, just pick up and go take a class somewhere. But hopefully, if we're doing our job, that can be an option down the road once we've gotten her a little more more stabilized and a little more prepared for vigorous exercise. Nice. With personal trainers, is it more typical that, that a trainer is more of like a generalist? Or are you seeing kind of in the industry or that there's kind of some degree of like specialization where like if somebody had, like you said, a, a Miss Jones, you know, an 80-year-old versus somebody who's had experience doing CrossFit, kind of the, the opposite end of the spectrum or golf or these other kind of things. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to kind of hear that kind of how you guys kind of do things or just even the industry, like how that is um, for people. Yeah, it is a very broad industry. It has always fascinated me just how different each of us are coming from different backgrounds and different levels of education. I feel like in today's fitness industry, you have got to specialize in some way. That's not to say exclude other people and you're focused on one particular set of clientele, but it really, really helps when you have a specific population that you are proficient working with. Now, that being said, Again, this is a very broad range of clients and issues we're talking about. So as much as you can put into that knowledge bank, I would always recommend to do so. And that's one thing I love at the very top of that list of fitness together is that we have such different backgrounds that we all really help each other round out those rough edges. So it's kind of a yes to both. You do need to specialize. So you've got your lane and you can always fall back to that. But it's super, super important to broaden your horizons and figure out, okay, this might not be the type of person I'm completely comfortable working with, but I'm capable of challenging myself too. You know, it's, it's kind of the, just reflecting back in industry that I'm in with as far as physical therapy, you know, very similar where I think generally speaking, when I was starting off, like most PTs were more generalists. And I would say for the most part, like, you know, especially the bigger kind of box kind of places are, you know, they'll, they don't necessarily exclude anybody, but they could go from, you know, treating a, 
you know, 13 year old to 89 year old type thing and see a little, you know, really a little bit of everything. But, you know, I see the, even with simply physio, just how we operate with other clinicians is like, hey, let's have you, it's, it's, it's okay for you to be that expert with this kind of type of clients. And, and if we have a client coming in the clinic who has, let's say, you know, some TMJ, like we have a therapy, like we can all treat it, right? Um, we all have experience, but like we kind of push them towards like, but he's actually has the most experience. And uh, somebody else, you know, another therapist who maybe has some vestibular types of things where we kind of have a lane that we're really good at, but we can always go outside of a lane if we, if we need to for what somebody needs. For sure. Yeah, the versatility goes a long, long way in any physical job. We got a series of some questions going over some different fitness myths. Thought it would be fun to answer and hopefully um, shed some lights on maybe misconceptions that people um, believe or are confused about uh, to help give, give people some more clarity along the line. So, so Austin, uh, the first question is thinking about the length of a workout. Is the longer the workout, the better, the more meaningful? No, definitely not. I would say the efficiency of that time used is um, kind of the overriding factor there. So if you are completely busting your tail for two straight hours, yeah, that's going to be an effective workout, but you've also burned an extra hour off of your day that could have been otherwise used. So it really just comes down to, you know, how efficiently are you using your time? Are you resting too long? Are you letting your heart rate come down too much? It is working out at the end of the day. There's got to be some kind of physical challenge there. So it really is just kind of about finding that sweet spot of you've still got some gas left in the tank, but you're not lollygagging and not getting anything done. Yeah. Kind of reflecting back, you know, oftentimes the guy's bragging about it, it's like, man, yeah, I was in the gym two hours this morning or something like that. It's like, well, does that mean you're actually working out for two hours or you're chit-chatting and lifting a few I, weights? I hear and- that and I'm picturing, <laughs> so how much of that was on your phone? How much of that was talking? <laughs> or if it was two straight hours, then could we have maybe just <laughs> dialed that down a bit? And yeah, just uh, I think a few years ago, we, the ACSM is the uh, American Academy of Sports Medicine. They uh, resident school, they had kind of uh, their guidelines for fitness and what's ideal, and it was 150 minutes a week. And but they updated that recently to to consider like a more high intensity, and in, based on the evidence that's been really supporting the benefits of it's not that you just have to get 150 minutes in a week. Uh, granted, that that's kind of a simplistic model, and getting that is better than than nothing, but with an appreciation of like, if you're getting high intensity minutes, there's actually, you don't need as much of it and you can get benefit, health benefits in a short amount of time um, with that, which I think is is cool for people to, uh, to recognize, to see is like, hey, to really make an impact, you know, depending on how you're doing it can impact the length of time that you actually need to have that benefit. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is completely scalable. So it really comes down to what time do you have to work with and how can you maximize that time? Second question, uh, stretching. So stretching out before a, a workout a must? A must? No. Um, helpful, yes. So that can kind of differ from person to person, um, very like any other clientele issue we're dealing with. We're going to have those overactive muscles that can pull against certain movements that are going to be problematic, muscles that are just generally tight on each individual that we need to pay special attention to. So my philosophy is let's get those loosened up on the front end so that we are not 
potentially hindering any movements, and then we'll focus on the bulk of stretching after. There's a lot of back and forth argument about that particular topic, but personal experience, I've just found that making sure we're loosened up on the front end, especially in those overactive areas, is super helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I think like you know, growing up playing sports, it was kind of more of the opposite of like you have to do your static stretching, you know, before soccer practice, you know, type of thing. But I think there's been a lot of development where kind of like what you're saying. It's not some piece of that can be helpful, but it's more of the process of warming up and what a warm up looks like versus, you know, stretching could be very different. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, we've all got overactive muscles. So it definitely benefits in the long run to take some time to learn those and how to take care of those. So we're moving properly. In regards to feeling the workout, would you say that if you don't feel sore the next day that you didn't work out hard enough? That is one of my favorites. No, soreness is definitely not an indicator of working efficiently necessarily. We're generally going to have muscle groups that are stronger than others by extension, whether that be because of your day-to-day activity or just some general compensation issues throughout the year. It is not an end-all be-all indicator that you had a good workout if you're sore. Now, absolutely, we're going to be feeling some muscles more than others, and that lets us know we got a good workout, but it is not necessary to seek that soreness just to let you know internally, hey, I, I pushed it and gave it all I had. And then with uh, lifting weights, some people may have a concern that it's going to make them bulky, and uh, that may not be an attribute that they want to have. So if somebody doesn't want to be bulky, should they avoid lifting weights? Definitely not. So we're looking at weightlifting from a very scientific and practical standpoint. So when we're talking resistance training, it really is all about building up that that muscle tissue and that surrounding connective tissue. And I think that's something that does not get discussed often enough. We want muscles to be stronger. We want the joints supporting those muscles to be stronger. We want the connective tissue to be stronger. The only way we're going to do that is through strength training. Now, obviously, there's different levels of that. We're talking the difference between doing higher repetition, lower weight stuff, where we're looking more at stabilization, and then one to five reps of really heavy weight, giving it all we got in the more max strength phase. So yes, we can bulk you up, absolutely, if that's something you're looking to do. But a lot of that is going to involve nutrition, supplementation. At the end of the day, what we're really looking to dispel is that myth that in general, lifting weights makes you bulky because the truth of it is it makes you stronger, it makes you move better, it makes you healthier. Awesome. And it kind of goes into the next question too. If somebody is looking to lose weight, is weight training not a good option to lose weight? Yeah, that's definitely something we really want to incorporate with people when they are trying to lose weight. Weight training? Yes, absolutely. When we are building a body made up of more lean tissue than we are fat mass, we are burning calories more consistently, more efficiently. So if we are weight training for the goal of fat loss, then you're kind of building yourself a higher functioning body, a a better machine for that. So it becomes super helpful. And then again, we are really altering body composition. So the weightlifting, the strength training is going to be really important so that we're making sure we keep those those joints and those connective tissues protected while the body is undergoing such a massive change. Kind of reflecting back on your story, maybe if we get, use that as an example or if there's somebody else, because you had a goal of losing some weight, right? And then you went at it for three years in the gym, weren't really seeing it. But reflecting back on that, I know you started working out with, a, with somebody who kind of showed you the ropes, but 
Could you kind of speak more to that? Like, what do you see is kind of the big difference that allowed you to actually start seeing the results and losing weight in the gym? Yeah, I think it. what really opened my eyes was just that plateau effect that I didn't even know I was hitting. So I was primarily using my expensive gym membership for the cardio equipment. So we're talking 30, 45, an hour, whatever it looked like of being on the treadmill, being on the elliptical. And yeah, I had some weight coming off of me, but I just reached a point where I felt like a zombie, like I had no energy left. And didn't feel good. It's like, this isn't what you associate with weight loss. You're supposed to feel better. So then when I moved into more of weightlifting and strength training, I'm like, man, this is, this is night and day. I'm still seeing some body fat come off, but now I'm starting to see some muscle definition that wasn't there. I feel stronger. I feel like I'm moving around in general better. So it is two sides to the same coin, but I am really, as the years go by and I further myself into this career, leaning much heavier on the strength training being, I would argue, more important. Sure. Yeah, and I think some people don't even even realize the manner with, with, with which you lift weights can be even a cardiovascular. Like, you can get both while you lift weights, right? Um, and you can get your heart rate up, and ultimately, you know, that's a, a big piece of fitness is, like, how strong is, like, your heart? <laughs> like you're weak or you're not like you gotta have like one muscle you want to work is your heart muscle <laughs> just um yeah the necessity for that to be going right we, we kind of need that one to move the rest <laughs> right right biceps could take a day off here or there but probably not the heart and i lost my train of thought <laughs> where i was going with that but yeah you're talking about just lifting weights i think that's been kind of an experience for me recently is like even just kind of seeing like, man, if, like, you can get a really strong, like, like out-of-breath, cardiovascular, like, kind of workout with weight, with strength training, where I think a lot of people maybe, like, kind of divide the two so much, where I'm, I've kind of witnessed a bit, and I'm not sure if, how you guys, you know, do it too, but almost like there can be a blending of the two into one where it's not necessarily you're just doing, like, okay, let's go you know, do a bicep curl, this singular joint movement, and now we're going to do a leg extension. And now we're going to isolate this one muscle and go from there to this, the triceps and in that regards. Yeah, that's something I think that gets lost in that conversation as we say strength training and weightlifting. And I think most people do immediately start picturing bicep curls or <laughs> shoulder presses. And it's like, yeah, those are good, but we're looking at more compound movements that's involving the whole body. If you think strength training will not help you lose weight, I would challenge you to go squat or deadlift and then tell me how that heart's feeling afterwards. Like you're, you're using these larger muscles, these larger joints to move that resistance, it is going to tax your heart as well. Yeah. And even the idea, like, you know, talking about a squat, like, like your body's good weight is weight resistance. Right. And, um, and so that's the strength training, like just even just moving your body and positioning it in certain ways. Right. I think is, you know, what we try to do even, um, as we're developing somebody off out of an injury, sometimes they're not at a level that they're able to do that well. So we have to do more things that is simplified on the mat, but the goal for most people isn't necessarily that they can lift, you know, heavy weights if that's not, you know, their goal, at least for us, but they need to be able to control and move their body weight. Right. So if we haven't done that, we haven't really prepared them to to go out and to just enjoy like moving around their world and their environment in the right way. 
Yeah, I constantly tell clients, you ha- you already have the greatest piece of yeah. exercise equipment you're ever going to have, and that's you. So utilize it when you can. All right, next question is uh, walking 10,000 steps a day. If you do that, are you good? No, I don't really know where we got so hung up on the step thing. Now, obviously, that indicates that you're up and moving a lot, but I kind of like to relay that message to people as this, like you're made to walk around, right? Like that's how we get from point A to point B. So if we're just saying, hey, I went from point A to point B and that was my day, it's like, okay, well, you might have moved more than you would have otherwise, but at the end of the day, did you challenge yourself? You're doing something that you were made to do. So yes, walking is going to get you moving. It's going to burn some calories. However, you're getting those steps, walking, running, but it's not an indicator that we are making some physical progress. There does have to be some physical challenge. And at the end of the day, unless you have had some kind of injury or what have you, you're going to be able to walk fairly easily. So that's not going to provide the challenge you um, need. When we ask people something like, as we're doing a health intake, as far as their exercise level, like, are you exercising? How many times, you, how many days a week do you exercise? And oftentimes we say, oh, I'm, I'm a real, you know, I do a lot. I'm, I'm never sitting still. And, and people get, I think, get confused of like, I'm an active person versus I exercise. And they're different. They're very different. Somebody can be an active person and they look at their, you know, the fitness tracker and like, oh, I got 10,000 steps today, right? But the big difference I see is like, well, exercise requires you really like taxing some system, either your muscular system or your cardiovascular system. And being active oftentimes does not. Now, granted, like you said, being active is better than being sedentary, but exercise is, is better. Strategic exercise is better than just being active. For sure. Yeah, there, there has to be some level of physical challenge there for there to be physical change. What about you mentioned squatting back to your knees? Yes, one of my favorite questions <laughs> to answer. No, that's something we should be able to do well into our later adult life. I really love using the toddler example with people. So if you have kids, if you've been around kids, let's say two, three years old, if they want something that's in the floor in front of them, what do they do? They just squat down as natural as can be, perfect form come back up. That's something we should be able to do for the majority of our lives, but we we sit, we don't use those muscles like we should, and they're not able to perform like they should. So squats are bad for bad knees, maybe, if we you know are keeping that in mind, but ultimately that's something everyone should be able to do to some extent. It's just about how can we safely prepare you to do that. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we're going over an assessment, well, you know, I'll ask somebody, okay, let me see how well, let me see your squat. And somebody who's really kind of fear uh, or maybe has that, like squatting's bad. Like, oh man, I can't squat. I just, I can't, like it's going to hurt. It's like, well, you just did sit down in the chair and get back up. Right. Pretty much did a squat there. Now we just don't have the chair back behind you, right? So like you said, you know, before it's like, hey, like squatting is like, get like it's a functional movement that somebody needs to be able to do. And, and no matter how old you are, like you need to be able to get up and out of a chair. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's wild that people will tell you that, that hey, I'm kind of concerned about this right after they've stood up out of a chair. Like this is a movement we know internally how to do, but those are just the hips and the glutes or joints and muscles that we do not ever engage properly on a day-to-day basis. And Thus, everyone's immediately thinking there's going to be pain involved with this. It's like, well, not if we're actually using those 
those joints and muscles properly. All right, last question. Women versus men, do they need to be doing different exercises? Not necessarily different exercises. Now, certainly the structure of those workouts is going to need to change given physiological difference. But at the end of the day, we're really looking for your basic movements to be a staple in everyone's workout regimen. Pushing, whether that be push-ups, bench press, dumbbell press, working the legs. We're doing that through squatting, through step-ups, through split squats. So the exercises are all kind of staple for everyone. Where we modify them is where it gets different, and then obviously how we're structuring those. Typically, most women aren't going to have the goal of getting very bulky. There are a few exceptions, but that's, in general, the biggest difference we're looking at is just different physiological needs and different goals. Yeah, like you said, I think it's depending on like your exercise is going to be primarily dictated on what your goals are, male or female. Yeah. It's just more of just, well, what do you want to get out of this and what's design a program for that, right? Well, awesome. Well, well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for busting some myths for us, Austin, and giving us some clarity around some um, oftentimes confused topics. Uh, I know our listeners will appreciate that. Uh, we like uh, ending uh, the podcast here with uh, some uh, some questions about Knoxville, Knoxville area. So, Austin, tell us something that's uh, maybe on your bucket list around the Knoxville, greater East Tennessee area. So I was giving this some thought as you and I were discussing ahead of time, and I have never been in the sun sphere, and I feel like that's kind of criminal being in the Knoxville area for this long and having never that's right. It's, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier, like some of those things. I used to live in, in Chattanooga, and they have uh, Ruby Falls. I lived in Chattanooga for 13 years and yes. I never did Ruby Falls. And that's like, if you go to Chattanooga, like that's probably one of the places that you go do, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If you're coming to v- visit you know, Chattanooga or if you're coming to visit Knoxville, it's like the sun sphere is like this iconic, you know, you see in the postcards. Yeah, it, it is a staple and I have never been even close <laughs> to that structure. <laughs> All right, well, um, well, you got to go do it. And if, if any of our listeners around Knoxville haven't been, then I think they're getting ready to charge the change for a while, you could go for, and for a long time, you could go for free. I think they're changing it to uh, some sort of admission. So if you want to save yourself five bucks or something, you better get on it. All right. Well, what about a favorite place to um, to enjoy outside around Knoxville? Man, I, I really do love this Farragut area. Just going to one of the local parks and taking a little stroll on a day like today when it's beautiful outside. It's just very, it's very calm. There's not ever going to be a huge crowd. Just, yeah. just Any there. park in particular? I am struggling to think of the one that's right down off of Campbell Station. Founders right there us. by the library? Yeah, just, just a very nice, calm, relaxing place to go take a stroll and get some sunshine. Yeah, that is a nice little park just right here. I mean, they have the stream that goes through, you know, the little walking trail, get up some hills and get your heart rate up just walking up that that hill there in the back. And yeah, it's an awesome place. Yeah, it's an enjoy that's real convenient. What about a favorite restaurant? Oh, man. I'm always going to have to go Copper Cellar on that as one of the local local places to go. Been a couple of times and never had a bad experience there. So that will always be my go-to in the Knoxville area. And then uh, what's uh, your best tip or recommendation for staying healthy, Austin? This can, this can be kind of general, but just push yourself to do better than you did last week. Push yourself to do better than you did yesterday. That can look like a lot of things, whether it's one more bottle of water today than you had yesterday 100 more calories than you burned yesterday. Just set yourself different goals and try to meet those goals. It almost becomes a bit of a game to you, and we tend to all stay engaged better when we have something we're having fun with. Nice. People want to um, get in touch with you. What's the best way to do that if they have some other questions or maybe they're looking to receive some personal training assistance? Give us, yeah, what's the best way to do that? 
Yeah, quickest way is to give us a uh, phone call or text at 865-671-2022. That gets you directly to our Farragut studio. If you want to look into us a little more, just go to Fitness Together and search Farragut or just Google Fitness Together Farragut. That'll take you straight to our page. It's got a bio of each of our trainers that are on staff, a little bit of a rundown about each of us and the backgrounds we're coming with. So yeah, that's easiest way to get in touch with us or just check us out if you're interested. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll put that information in the show notes too. So if you didn't catch that, uh, just uh, look at the show notes to find the, the phone number and the website as well for easy access there. So, well, Austin, thanks so much for sharing. I know this has uh, been a valuable, insightful interview for me, and I'm sure it's been uh, valuable for our listeners too. So thank you so much for coming on and uh, stay healthy, Knoxville. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast brought to you by Simply Physio. If your pain is preventing you from staying healthy and active and you'd like to avoid surgery, pain medicine, or just want to get back to doing the things you love in and around Knoxville, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the next best steps for resolving it. Find our ebooks online at simplypt.com health-tips. There you will find ebooks for topics such as neck and shoulder pain, lower back and hip pain, knee pain, and TMJ. These quick-to-read reports will provide you with expert tips, tricks, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit simplypt.com health-tips to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consultations with a doctor of physical therapy to Knoxville area residents. Just call us at 865-351-0615 or visit us at simplypt.com and click the Talk to a PT button on the home page to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast.